0: Welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter. This is the show that allows you to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom and features two regular hosts. That's myself, Julian Hall, and comedian Sajila Kershey, And we always have two guests joining us. This week we had the commentator and broadcaster Ian Dale and the comedian and virologist Ria Lina. Among the tweets that we picked out for discussion were a number on the Salmond Inquiry, which was going into full gear at the time. There was also the announcement that the legendary sitcom Frasier was going to be rebooted, so we had a discussion around that and the concept of reboots in general. We also discussed a tweet from the DJ Christian O'Connell about what it felt like to come last, and that prompted a conversation among us about our various memories of coming last, uh, whether that was on the sports field or in another setting. So all good stuff. Um, the recording on this one does start a little late in as we're going into our intros with everyone um, but it doesn't cut too much off and it certainly doesn't cut off any of the commentary of the tweets so that we hope your enjoyment is not impaired too much by that. We hope you enjoy the show. Please do follow us at LKTZoom on Twitter for all the
1: latest news and updates. Review is coming out from Edinburgh. I'll have someone else read it first and digest it for me. So I and I'll only read it if I feel I can then see those words myself, because it is too damaging and um, to put to to put yourself in front of it because they don't see you as a person. So you cannot put the person that you are yeah. on the line when they're not seeing you as the person that you are. I mean, I completely agree with Ian. I think that at least to set up an account, there's nothing wrong with saying, OK, this can be a parody account or this can be a fun, there's a lot of great parody accounts on Twitter that I very much enjoy uh, reading and, 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 and um, following. But there's no reason to not say, OK, you need to tell us who you are behind this account. I don't even have a problem if you don't if you want to keep the egg and not put a picture there. But if you say something or if you do something that is crossing the line or illegal, at least Twitter should be able to give you an email and go, hi, we know who you are, even if they don't know who you are. So watch it or you and your 50 other accounts will no longer be welcome on our platform. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable
2: thing to have. Now, well said. And I think that protecting your own health is quite good. And of course, as performers, we do have a version of ourselves out in the public domain. Mm. And I, although Lena might not be your real name, my, she is my real name, but there mm. is a, it's a version of me and I have to keep me, especially in the past year where things has been, you know, to protect my own mental health, just being more of an observer, less stuff to promote, obviously, because it's not live gigs um and and uh, and also uh, you know i think i've learned along the way is what ian was saying about um you know you engage in a fight at four in the morning with some complete stranger why are you doing that I used to probably go I get Twitter rage just like everybody else. But now I'm just like, OK, I'm not going to change this person's opinion. There's no way mm. uh, it's not going to be. a It's not a fair discussion. You're not having a balance here because this person's not actually doesn't even want to listen to what you're saying. You're not going to agree with them. So I just kind of I, I'm going to take myself out of this equation. And I think that probably pisses them off a bit more, don't you? There's so
1: many ways to piss people off on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. Definitely one of them. I haven't banned that many people, if I'm honest. I think I, I I will block or ban anything that's porn because I'm not interested in seeing that. I mean, in fact, somebody retweeted someone else's porn and I went, what are you doing? Um, and so that kind of thing I'll block. But generally speaking on all of the platforms, although let's be honest, Instagram is a happy, colorful place and there's rarely the need to block on Instagram, but on Facebook, certainly I've been very conscientious not to block people I disagree with because I don't want to end up in an echo chamber. I want to continue to see different posts. I don't want the algorithm to, to, you know, by me blocking people to continually funnel and funnel and funnel me down to where I'm only hearing what they think I want to hear. So I've been, and the same, therefore, I'd rather not be involved on Twitter as much in order to be able to see and read as much as possible. Because that, for me, I think is more useful to see what's out. I think it's more useful to see what's out there and know who the enemy is than to be completely blindsided because I haven't come across it before. Not that I'm disputing anyone's right to to block people. I think mean, that's a perfectly legitimate thing to do, but I just have a different reasons for it. So I'm not always blocking people that are offensive or um, aggressive. Uh, In fact, on a number of occasions, if you, you know, they're teenagers, this is is a teenage response. This is childlike responses. So if you actually treat them like children, uh, they're actually often very thrown by that. If you disarm them, if you don't come back at them the way that they were expecting, sometimes they come back off and go, oh, okay, fair enough, mate. All right, yeah, yeah. That
3: is very true. About three months ago, um, I have this guy on Twitter. Um, he didn't actually at me into it, but I use TweetDeck and I have a column where if they just put my name without the at, I still see what they're saying. Little bastards. Um, and, and this guy had said, oh, well, Ian Dale is so far up Boris Johnson's ass, you can't see his shoes. And now if that had happened two or three years ago, I would have probably really laid into him. But I didn't. I just said, right, here are the nine occasions over the last two weeks where I've criticised Boris Johnson or his government and then just listed them. And he DM'd me the next day. Said, "I'm so sorry. I, I, I've completely got you wrong, and I want to apologise. I shouldn't have done that." Now he and I have now developed. We've never met, but we talk most days on WhatsApp. We develop this slightly weird friendship in a, in a way. And I, and I'm thinking, well, if I had reacted how I instinctively would have reacted, that he would have been an enemy for life, or I would have mm-hmm. just blocked him. But I turned it round, or he turned it round, into something that had a positive to come out of it, and I think that actually could, it could be done a lot more often than we probably give credit for.
2: I wonder if that's partly because uh, of also being a presenter that you feel um, you do have to engage with them. Like as comedians, we don't have to necessarily have that. Whereas you, you know, yeah. it's, there's more going to be there's going to be more of a fallout if you start attacking people on. On, on social media, it's well, just that's sort of true. Like, are we in Dale? You know, there's more. it's going to make more headlines. Then, so you've got to be careful how you handle this because these are potentially people who are also listening to your live shows.
3: That that is true. um And I mean, in a, in a way, wh- when I, I mean I talk for three hours a night to, to people, and I, I think I've got a pretty good handle on sort of how people think generally. And there are often occasions where you get somebody who's coming on the radio and they really want to have an argument with you but there are ways there are sort of ways that you can win them round if you, i mean you don't sort of i know that there is, i'm never going to be somebody that everybody likes so this is boris johnson's weakness in that he doesn't understand why anyone doesn't like him he wants to be popular with everybody that's not not the worst fault you can have in the world but as a leader it's not probably where you need to be Uh, and i think as as somebody who's got a a, i mean i'm not a celebrity but i've got a bit of a public profile and i've had to come to terms with the fact that there will be people who don't like me for whatever reason. I might not understand it, but you can't... I mean, I don't like everybody. Um, we, we all have likes and dislikes, um, but you, you can't please all of the people all of the time. And, and for politicians, that is that's the case in spades.
1: You know, Ter- Terry Alderton said something really interesting to me about that. And he's, he said to me once that to be really successful, you can't just have people like you, you need to make people hate you and people love you because it's by creating that much emotion that you will get to the heights that you, it, it's mm. it's the intense love of fans that make superstars. And with intense love comes the other half of that coin, which is intense hatred of all of those who are fans of other people. And 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 so that is, that's the truth of success is the more successful people are, the more success people have, like Ian, uh, the more that there's going to be people that automatically take the opposite standpoint.
3: The funny thing is that I find it really difficult to know what to say to people who might come up to me in the street occasionally. It doesn't happen every day, I have to tell you, but occasionally say, oh, I love you. I love your show. And so they want to have a really sort of in-depth conversation with you. And I don't deal with praise. very. I mean, I I like it. Who doesn't? But I don't know what to say to people. Whereas if somebody has a real go at me or wants to sort of explain why they totally disagree with me in a quite aggressive way, I know how to deal with that. And I, I don't know what that's so. Maybe it's because I'm a cancer. That's I'm really t- interesting. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm too sensitive. Oh my goodness, you too. Uh, that makes two of
0: us. Oh really? <laughs> what date? Wow. What date? Fifteenth. Oh, uh, okay, right, banging. Oh, uh, yeah, sort of towards the end then, I guess, towards Leo. Although they rejigged the whole zodiac earlier this year, or last year, and I have How can no how idea. you rejig this? They zodiac? did. They added a thirteenth sign or something. Oh, how crazy. ridiculous! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah,
3: identifies I know.
2: Itself yeah. as something else, is it this thirteenth sign?
3: <laughs> oh, oh dear! No. And, and, <laughs> moving on,
2: and moving <laughs> that's on. That's another. That's an entirely. That's the whole shall show. We, shall we talk about the tweets that <laughs> yeah, everyone's chosen? Then
0: uh, do um, we do we kick off with a Twitter relic Because two of us have chosen the uh, the pay to play Twitter tweets. Uh, okay, let's, so Ria chose uh, a tweet from. Daniel P. Melito and thanks for the follow earlier, Daniel, on uh, at LKT Zoom. Uh, who... He's here, isn't he? Yes, I am. Oh, hello, oh hi, hi, hi. Follow hello. the follow and, and the Zoom room. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Goes so, to follow um,
2: him straight
0: away <laughs> hey, Listen
4: I just want to uh, say yeah. before, I apologise when I asked me to buy a ticket It was in pounds and I have no Idea what the conversion rate so I either gave You guys life changing money or a pittance <laughs> So if it's the second one <laughs> I, I apologise I didn't mean to do it That way
0: <laughs> uh, Okay well thanks Thanks. for the health Warning on that mm-hmm. well I shall look forward To that later like some kind of lottery Numbers <laughs> uh, you know. um, Right Daniel Your tweet is so Now, I can't fix my typos, but you can pay to read them. RIP Twitter. Uh, RIP Twitter trending uh, quite heavily when this came out. Uh, And then I uh, show there's another tweet on this, essentially saying the same thing, which is, uh, here we go, Hannah. Hannah Murphy, who is a tech reporter at the FT, uh, just simply just saying, Twitter announces exploring tipping and super follows where users can super follow accounts. Paying them a subscription for ex- exclusive content like Patreon. Uh, curious whether newsrooms will allow reporters to generate extra revenues for themselves in this way or not. Uh, yeah, so how do we, uh, I mean, you know, Twitter's been doing an awful lot of things to try and change its act, but a lot of them seem to be going down uh, like a lead balloon. What do we think? Ria, you you, you flagged this tweet. You, you probably have. Uh... I did.
1: I did. I, I quite I, I completely agree with Daniel. Like, where is the ability to 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 fix typos, um, which would which I think is actually more important than Twitter gives it credit for. I get that the whole idea is, oh, just throw a quick idea out there. But we've seen how disastrous that is to allow people to type without thinking. Um, so so now we're we're saying, OK, now we can put people behind a paywall is i don't know if this is their way of trying to get back everyone that they lost in january to other platforms because they couldn't say what they wanted to say in public i mean why get rid of all of those people instead of just saying how about if you stay but we'll let you say all of your horrendous right-wing stuff behind a paywall how about that i mean i don't know what they're trying to achieve with this well i mean actually i mean daniel
0: do you want to sort of uh, you know give, give sure. your opinion here
4: I think they actually want to get a hold of some of that uh, Patreon and uh, OnlyFans money, you know, because that's where a lot of the users, you know, go and they put the, the, well, it's porn. It's a lot of it's porn, to be honest with you. Um, So I think they want to get some of that revenue stream, but you know, Twitter, Twitter's politics and fighting and religion. And I mean, who wants their politics mixed with porn? Oh, (laughs) my
1: heaven. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow.
4: I mean, sorry. It's <laughs> everyone in the government. I mean, besides...
1: Oh. Our Prime Minister's nickname is BJ. <laughs> that tells you everything.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from the United States, New York, so... <laughs> it
1: does sound yeah. like a new
4: category right
0: there, I have to say,
4: if yeah. it's not already I, out there. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean it, it, I mean, it actually sort of sounds like they're going to try and compete with Twitch, because Twitch has really come up in the last year, More, even more so. I get that Patreon... Patreon I get the, the model of it, but Twitch is where you can subscribe to people, you can pay them during their live sessions, you can watch them afterwards, you can give them coins of compliments. And I'm actually wondering whether it's a Twitch model that they're trying to follow. But I mean, Twitter does what it does very, very well. Now yeah. it's throwing up these story options because everybody else is doing stories. So now they're through, it. but then their story options aren't even as uh, multifunctional. As the other story options that you get in all the other platforms, so again, it's like do it right or don't do it at all. But right now, stop trying, stop aiming with this sort of thirty percent in one direction, thirty percent in another direction. Um, you know, let's work on having slightly longer videos so that those of us that want to, I find that I have to keep mm. editing everything I want to say oh, down yeah. by like yeah. 20, 30 seconds because it's just not long enough. So work on what you're already doing and get it right. Yeah, and we'll then we'll, of, then people. Yeah. You know, then we'll start trying to pay for it.
0: And why get something? You know, why get rid of something like Periscope, for example, yeah. and then all these kind of crazy things like fleets or whatever. But I mean, the million-dollar or more question is: Would either of you consider putting any content behind a paywall? Because once that facility's there, is it is there not a temptation to use it?
3: I can't imagine why I would. Um, I mean. It just doesn't seem to fit with Twitter, does it? Yeah. And I, I can't think of anyone who's gonna who, any of my followers who are gonna think, Oh yeah, I would I mean, I don't even know what they're suggesting that people would pay. But what am I going to say on Twitter that I don't say elsewhere that people get for free? I I, I just don't see the logic of it.
1: No, I, I agree. I think that in terms of the type of product that I'm producing or even would consider producing, if it's short and it's thirty seconds to a minute, then You've got your TikToks, you've got your, you know, that's what That's what, to me is the tidbits that you give away for free in order to say, hey, if you like this, mm-hmm. then invest in me bigger. Come in, you know, with Ian, in Ian's case, buy my book if you want to read the, you know, see more. Or for me, come to a tour show. But um, I, I, we're, we've come to the end of a year where everybody has been stuck inside and has been trying to monetize on the internet. If Twitter had brought this up this time last year, we'd all probably have given it a go because yeah. we were all desperate for a bit of money, but okay. now That's is a, a year point. too late. So mm. we're all going, you know what? Nice, but I'm not going to be online for the next six months. June 21st <laughs> in the UK, I'm going to be outside. The moment it's warmer, I'm going to be outside, you know, walking for exercise and then with a friend when I'm allowed at a, at a safe distance uh, again, too little, too late and 30% in the wrong direction.
3: you just sounding like Keir <laughs> Am I? Oh. Too little, too late. That's all he says.
1: That's all he does. Um,
0: I think we've got we yeah, we've got a tweet on that essentially later. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Keir Starmer, little little sayings there. Really good Really good point. By the sayings.
3: way, Daniel, Keir Starmer is the Joe Biden of Britain.
4: Uh, I I figured
0: it had something.
1: Di-
3: slight difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. The yeah. he's, he's not
1: been he's not yeah. been elected or anything, and he's not as old.
0: Well, and if you
4: have some people here, neither is Joe Biden. Oh so.
1: <laughs> uh, Well, there
4: we go. <laughs> the people who will be behind the paywall. <laughs> well, good point there,
2: Ria, because obviously, um, yeah, a year ago, we might have been a different story, with many things a year ago, had we got the hindsight, we could have, you know, monetized. And um, But what what, what do you think is going to happen now with, if we are all going to be outside as soon as the sun comes out? Let's face it, it's been happening this last couple of days. It's been beautiful. Everyone's acting oh, like nicer. no COVID, um what what's the future going to look like in a few months time when we're all pretty much vaccinated obviously summer's going to be what happened last year everyone's going to be outside the moment we're free to do what we want that sounds like you're
1: asking me to speculate as a scientist
2: well you have got Scientology well Scientology
1: (laughs) take that back (laughs) take that back (laughs)
0: I didn't realise oh, they did there the H's and so You're blocked.
1: You're blocked.
0: How <laughs> dare you? It just re- requires reading all of L. Ron Hubbard's
3: books, I presume. But wow. Yeah. Um, be mad. They tried to recruit me once. Oh, on, on oh the, on I the want the to hear this of, story. On the streets of Cologne when I was about 18. And I was spending my gap year uh, teaching in Germany. And um, I got lured into this, uh, what well, it looked like a shop. And um, they, they sort of spun all of this. And First of all, I, it was quite interesting. And then I thought, no, there's something weird about this. This is a big... Because i I'd never heard of Scientology. And um, as, as the... In the old phrase of the News of the World reporters, I made my excuses and left.
4: <laughs> I was oh,
2: really disappointed goodness. that you didn't get to be... Even go to their school or, or take meet a couple Tom of their courses. Yeah, yeah, with
3: Tom Cruise. They were very friendly, but um, no, not for me.
0: Wow. Well, um... One of the other subjects we had a clutch of tweets on was Scotland. Oh, what is my phone? Seems to have uh, what's that? What's my phone doing? Let's It's not. Let's uh, get my Twitter feedback. Goodness me. That's crucial. Oh, that's nice. Crucial to the show. Yeah
2: whilst, yeah. whilst you're doing that. Um, I'm just going to, uh, go back to, uh, like so, the story, my... which I just said, also, I'm just going to let him do, do his thing there. Um, what about you, Ria? Ever been, ever been nearly joined a cult
1: ever?
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, certainly not that one. I tell you what, I've had three kids and I relished screaming at every single one of their births. Um, it's, it's not the, the cult for me, but no, I've actually, uh, well as you know I was diagnosed autistic about oh gosh what now eight nine years ago and I think that really says a lot that I found myself thinking very differently to the masses and have always been outside the masses so no I don't think cult like behavior was ever going to be in my past or my future as a result of that I just can't I can't quite I can't quite give myself in enough or lose control enough to to get that. It's why I'm self-employed. As I said, if I can't even follow my boss in an office place, there's no way I was going to follow a cult leader that wanted to to make babies with me and then make babies with my babies. Yeah, no, that wasn't ever going to happen.
2: But if you do want to join a cult, you could move to East Grinstead because it's all. It's lit, East Grinstead is a place here, Daniel. Um, uh, there's a town that's got Scientologists, it's got the Mormons, it's got uh, basically any kind of religion that's not the mainstream or slightly culty, got a vibe about it, it's there. And we did have a friend who came from Italy who joined Scientology and they had ended up in the building. We were students at the time. We hired a car and broke him out and I didn't do it, but my friends did steal some videos on the way out. Um, which, 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 uh, you know. Well, they asked for it really because they stole, t- stolen our friend, taken his money, and then we took him out and broke him out. So that's that's the only culty story. I've got. Oh, we're we're back. We're back.
3: Yeah, we're back. We're yeah, back yeah we're magic. Just, they Don't have to keep I was just going thinking, going what a now. great net. You know, it just sounded like these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're very good great. at padding. You should be yes. a <laughs> <presenting>. Very good man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not, okay, so no stranger to radio, next? are you? Well, we have a clutch of tweets on, um, on Scotland, which I sort of liken to Game of Thrones in a, in a slow cooker, but it's certainly... The temperature, <laughs> the temperature is definitely ramping up now. Uh, we've got a few treats on this. So we've got uh, his gorgeous George, in inverted commas. George Galloway's tweet, the Crown Office has become a clear and present danger in the majesty and authority of, of the Crown. Scotland is in danger of plunging into an abyss of lawlessness. Uh, so we we know how George feels. Uh, let's have a look. We've also right Connor, Matchett. match it, but breaking isn't isn't it always? Uh, Alex Salmond has released a statement setting out the direct questions to the Lord Advocate he he expects to be answered. He states he ne- has never refused to give evidence and wants an explanation for the unprecedented and highly irregular actions of the Crown. Obviously, folks, we're not talking about the TV series The Crown here, just in case anyone was wondering, or um, the royal family, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Alex Massey, um, extraordinary. Salmond is effectively arguing that if he's correct, Scotland is not actually fit to be independent at present. Um, I mean, there was uh, today there was a poll out saying that the, independ- the clamour for independence is now 50-50, uh, which is lower than it's been uh, for a while. So this, this, uh, this Macbeth is starting to cut ice. Ian, I, said, I expect this is something that you've been following pretty closely.
3: Yeah, it is. I think it, it's quite extraordinary. And those those of us who sat through most of Alex Salmond's evidence to the committee on Friday afternoon um, will have, I think, been rather impressed by that mm. in many ways. Because I mean, I used to present a radio show with Alex Salmond, um, an hour long phone in every week. And so I got to know him quite well. And I've always had a reasonably high opinion of him, particularly his abilities as a politician. But then he went and um, started presenting on RT Russia Today, and I'm afraid at that point, I, um, let, let's, let me put it this way, I told him exactly what I felt about that publicly, which didn't go down particularly well um but he was in full command of the facts on friday i thought he was an incredibly convincing witness he his body language his whole demeanor was exactly pitched right um, he didn't lose his temper he didn't lose his cool even when he was being asked some pretty impertinent questions and um at the end of it i thought well nicola sturgeon has got a, a quite a mm. task when she goes in front of that committee next wednesday now um, in theory if, she, if if it is found that she has lied over when she knew what she knew she's broken the ministerial code and in theory would have to resign but she should not be underestimated she is a brilliant politician in in so many ways and um but we we're, we're in the run up to the scottish parliamentary elections and this is the SNP need this like a hole in the head and unfortunately they they are now going the way of virtually every political party that is in power for too long where they they split down the middle um it happened under Margaret Thatcher it happened under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown it's now happening to the SNP in Scotland and you can divide them all up between Salmondites and Sturgeonites and the nightmare scenario for the SNP is that Nicola Sturgeon has to quit say towards the end of March or they have to find a new leader during the election campaign mm. and, and she has not groomed a new leader uh, uh, anyone to take over from her which is the mark of a well I don't know what it is the markov, but any any political leader needs to think about the succession and I, I wonder if we went around all the people in this conversation now and thought what well, who do you think would take over and have they got any public profile at all and the answer is none of them really have no
1: I, can we go back for Daniel's mm, sake mm. a little bit and explain because this is quite a, even though it sounds dry and political Daniel is quite a juicy story and i think and, and the reason i picked one a, a scottish quote is because i knew ian could really give us some extra details on this
4: i just want to say thank you for the uk Cliff's notes that you guys are giving me. <laughs>
3: this definitely is helping i mean i kind of get what's going on but it's definitely helping i mean so. just th- just think of maybe equating it to um florida trying for independence um and it, I mean, Scotland was independent until, what was it, 1707. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always been a running sword that Scotland has always felt slightly apart from the rest of the United Kingdom for all sorts of historical reasons, um, which if you watch Outlander, which I can highly recommend on Amazon <laughs> Prime, you will understand some of those reasons probably better than um, if you don't. Um, and it, it, Scotland got a lot of devolved powers back in 1999. And... A lot of people thought at the time that this is a slippery slope towards independence. And, and there was a re- they had a referendum in 2014, voted 55% to 45% to stay within the United Kingdom. But the Every last minute. 20 polls show that they're is a uh, majority for independence now. And I think if there was a referendum now, they would vote narrowly, probably by 52 to 48, just to (laughs) replicate the Brexit referendum. Um, And I mean, this is gonna be, I think, the biggest political story of the next few years, because there is no way that Boris Johnson can say no to a referendum if the SNP win a majority of votes, a majority of seats on a manifesto, saying that they demand another referendum, it, it, it will happen at some point, and the problem that the unionists have got. And I, I am a quarter Scottish, and my, my Christian name is spelled the Scottish way. Um, so I've I've got a dog in this race in a way. And I always say, if I lived in Scotland and worked in Scotland, I would be quite tempted by independence. And, and I think, having voted to leave Brexit to leave the European Union, I don't see how anyone who did that could possibly deny. A sovereign people, the right to vote on their own future. It, it, to me, it's illogical that Boris Johnson sort of has this. I mean, he may not want Scotland to leave, um, but it's for the Scottish people to decide in the end. I mean, but, yeah. but
1: specifically, this whole court case with Alex Salmond is mm. is far more. What's the word? Juicy. Uh, <laughs> juicy yeah,
0: juicy. But actually, what, 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 when we get down to brass tacks. What is it? What is it really about? Because I find the idea that um, Nicola Sturgeon would have to to go on a procedural matter, given that she's played an absolute blinder, I think, in the last year or so. Uh, has, that would sort she, of. I, well, been.
3: OK. She, she talks a good game. But ta- if you if you actually look <laughs> okay. at Nicola Sturgeon's record, not just on Covid, but you look at the, their record on education and health, it is oh. a lamentable record. But she is an incredibly convincing orator. Um, mm. She's brilliant in interviews, um, and and she's—I think she's quite a likable person. And you put all of that together, and she is a formidable leader. But let's not pretend that the Scottish government has any better record in many ways than the English or what Westminster government. Well, the one thing—look look at the death rate, yeah. care homes. You look at the fact that in in terms of the vaccine rollout, they haven't got it out as as quickly as um, the the NHS in England has, mm. so let's not run away with this idea that she is some sort of political titan who's got a brilliant record. She she hasn't.
0: I mean, that has started to unravel. I, I absolutely. But she has got uh, she's got form in terms of being sort of ahead of the game, just in terms of the COVID deadlines. And we felt you know she, we felt slightly behind because we she's announced things ahead. Of, of our government, and that, that's and... because
3: she—that's because she attends the Cobra meeting, or well, this—this was certainly the case in the first. Yes, yeah. she'd attend a Cobra meeting and then go and announce stuff before they're be, agreed <laughs> that we've done to, just to get ahead. And I think there are too many occasions when she has announced things just to be different from the Westminster government. And I, I, I think in in a in a pandemic, that is a pretty disgraceful thing to do.
0: Canny, but yeah, well, maybe. yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it's only canny if it worked. And as Ian said, the the figures don't dictate that what she's done is much better. It's just but it has served the purpose of making Boris look always on the back foot. You know, she makes a decision. Mm. He makes the same decision two days later. So she's done a really good uh, PR job of of uh, of looking like she's more on top of things or more in control or more active within the pandemic.
3: ria there's one incident that i think sums this up where boris johnson i thought quite convincingly said "Look, we need to have this five-week gap between the different stages Mm -hmm. of opening up because we need to look at the data we need to analyze it and it will take sort of four weeks to get the data and one week to analyze it and then we can sort of go forward now she then says oh there's going to be three weeks between us now i'm thinking I'm not a scientist, but the, the, the science can't be, it can't be five weeks in one area and three weeks in another. Surely there 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 is some scientific reason for having five weeks or three weeks. And yet we, the poor bloody infantry, we're supposed to work out which one's right. And it, that seemed to me to be just choosing to do something different for the sake of it.
1: It does sound like that. I mean, the one thing I would say in her favor, is she's dealing with what, 5 million people and we're dealing with how many in England? Fifty seven. Fifty five, something like that. Fifty five. So so there is the difference in terms of how densely populated and how populated the England is versus Scotland. So that would be one one area where you could say, okay, it's going to take a different amount of time. However, generally speaking, those time gaps are determined by the the length of time it takes to it to be be infected, uh, incubate infection and then see that infection to its conclusion of two weeks, if you're lucky, longer if you're not lucky. And that's really what determines that that four week journey. And so we need to see four weeks from the day we open schools, which is in theory next week, what that effect will have. But of course, well, this is I don't know, have we got tweets on the school thing? I could talk all day about no, about schools. Oh, me. did I? How did I not? How did I not include that? All right. Uh,
2: no, before we leave this, though, I want to ask what if, you know, because there's been much talk about independence, what would it look like? And I can only compare someone who, you know, who's got Indian Pakistan roots is to the uh, to the partition. Um, you know, it, if, in, it, if Scotland parted ways, then would, would Wales be like the Bangladesh in the whole sort of kind of, <laughs> you know, British <laughs> scenario of this? And how, how is that going to pan out? How could that look? Um, and we are a small island, so we've got to be careful. Yeah, what have we got? What have we got next?
0: Well, I'm just wondering where to go next. I and mean, we've talked a bit, talked about uh, Nicola, so we probably should talk about Boris, actually, uh, which is...
2: Balance. I want to go to Ian's... Little
0: there we go. there as well actually afterwards we can uh yeah I mean, actually we are still i mean i suppose we're on vaccine territory so let's uh, what am i pressing to done this? yeah Honestly, I, know, get, but... get I know it's appalling i have to say this has did never you, never happened uh until so it must be something you... to do with the new fantastic it, it, is, are you
2: actually in the studio is that is that a back is that no back no, no.
3: i'm actually in my bedroom
2: you're in your bedroom okay yeah. That's a cool, cool studio shot, though. Yeah,
3: there. it is. It is. It, it is an incredi- yeah. It, it's an incredible studio. Well, we, when I first went to LBC, we had almost a broom cupboard as a studio. And I remember the first day that I broadcast from this studio, it was like somebody had injected me with a serum. It just makes you... Because there's this sort of desk with all of the screens and the buttons and stuff. And you just have this feeling of being in complete control And it makes you a much better broadcaster, bizarrely. I I can't explain why, but it it just, as soon as you walk into that place, you just have this feeling of, I don't know, of being in total control. Whereas you you go into BBC studios and they're slightly dirty and dusty and (laughs) sort of not very modern. And you think, well, why can't, they've got three and a half billion pounds to spend. Why can't they actually have some decent studios?
2: It's the colour blue. There's something about the colour blue, which is what we've gone with as well, that uh, makes it a little bit more sexy. Mm. Uh, a little bit more. I think I've only been to the LB Studios maybe a couple of times to do shows there. But that, were you still in Leicester Square? No. Yeah. No. yeah.
3: How, are, how are you are. Well, we've got I, two, we've got, um, we're in with like Capital Heart, Radio X and all these other Classic FM in the same building. But LBC now has uh, a new Westminster studio. Um, which, um, in fact tomorrow, oh. I've been, I I'm in a shielding group and from tomorrow, I'm going back in there. but because I can go in there and there's nobody else there, I can drive into London go into the studio not have to meet anyone and and then come home so effectively I'm still shielding which I'm supposed to do until the end of March so quite looking forward to getting you should be
2: getting your jab soon then because that's why I've had it it, it. no I had mine three weeks ago that's the reason I'm going
3: back tomorrow because it it kicks in after three weeks so because I've been since the middle of December literally broadcasting from where I'm sitting now in my bedroom
2: it doesn't look any different, it look any different. So, so talking about your broadcasting we've got you actually in yeah, your living room software, by the looks of it with your books and stuff and your are <laughs> pictures in the background can we can we how many long does this play for this uh ria was telling us how she has to keep editing
1: down you can only have a certain amount on twitter uh, but certain publishers can have longer media publishers get longer
3: yeah oh, really? is that right? that all about I, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh,
0: I'm sure we'll get our special nod soon, Sajila. Um, This is a good one. She's obviously about the vaccine, so this will engage, uh, you know, all of us. Let's let's play the clip. Oh, hang on.
3: They are going to have any particular groups to be prioritised here, um, and I think it's quite difficult to do that in many ways because how do you work that out? Now, if you remember a couple of m- months ago, there was a league table that showed the professions that had the highest death rates and um, teachers have a very loud voice in in the, the public sphere rightly so um but they were right down the bottom of this league table no no higher prevalence of covid deaths than any anyone else in society whereas taxi drivers bus drivers uh, supermarket workers were sort of, more well certainly the taxi drivers were at the top of that list so if you if you were going to do that I think you'd have to do it by that list and not just rely on those that have the loudest voices, uh, police officers as well look I have every sympathy but prison officers you could argue also should be at the top of the list because of the likelihood of uh, Covid spreading in prisons and what about those that don't have a loud voice like people who work in funeral parlours for example um, that there's a, a very high Mortality rate, I think, among those. So, um, you could argue that people from ethnic minority backgrounds should also have a, a higher precedence because we know that COVID affects them more than uh, than others. So, but I don't think that's what's going to happen today. Well, I was right on that.
0: <laughs> so, what is the latest? I mean, because I mean, one of the one government line about teachers was um, we're not going to do this because we don't want to upend our timetable. Where are where are we? What is the latest?
3: Well, the the Joint Council Joint Committee for Vaccination and Immunisation, um, they announced on Friday that uh, it would still be done by age because they thought that is the way to get the rollout done as quickly as possible. Was if you break it up into groups, um, it, it just can't you can't do it as quickly. And, and so, and in the end, we're either going to go with the advice of that committee. I mean, that's what it's there to do to give the advice. Or where where does it end? Because you put fifty people in the in the in a room, and they would all come up with different ideas of who should be vaccinated first. And I just don't buy the teacher's argument, I'm afraid. and I, I was going to train to be a teacher. I have a highest regard for teaching as a profession, but I just don't think that you could make an argument that teachers deserve to be vaccinated before lots of other different groups.
2: If schools are going back next week, don't you think they deserve to be protected? Because we don't know if children do
3: carry... Well, first of all, schools have been back. I mean, most teachers actually are working from school because 25% of the kids are in school at the moment. They're either children of key workers or they're in some vulnerable group. So most teachers have been back in the classroom all this time, even though people don't seem to realise that.
1: Yeah, have you got any, as a parent, have you got oh, any take on this? I mean, we could do an entire hour on this, just just <laughs> on I its own do. side, everything else. <laughs> I, I mean, well, this this is the this is the thing. It's such a big conversation. I mean, as as Ian said in the clip, there is, we have looked across jobs. You know, we've seen that bus drivers uh, have a much higher rate of of. of susceptibility and, and unfortunately fatality to this disease than than teachers do but it isn't as simple as just well it's because they drive a bus and they see loads of customers and teachers don't or see loads of adult customers it's also down to well what are the ethnic uh, proportions of bus drivers versus the ethnic proportions of teachers that's a factor to consider um, it's the factor to consider that teachers are working with children who as we know do get it can have it we think they can spread it but they're not maybe uh, incubating as severe a disease as as adults do we're certainly seeing a turning point around puberty where we're seeing a different reaction in in older teenagers to to younger teenagers and younger children. Um, So it depends on how you wanted to approach the vaccination process when we first got emergency permission to use these vaccines, it was because we knew that they reduced severe disease. And that's all we knew. We had no data on transmission. We had no other data. But we knew that if we vaccinated the most vulnerable people in our society, that there was evidence from the trials that it would reduce their susceptibility to severe disease and therefore death. And going by that data, the most logical choice, therefore, was start with the most vulnerable and work your way down. So we generally are doing it by age, as recommended by the JCVI. But then there's also some other uh, extreme, you you know, uh, extremely vulnerable groups that have also been included. So you see people with with varying other conditions also being vaccinated earlier than their age would otherwise suggest. But the thing with teachers and and the thing is, is that we have seen these uh, these increases in the graph when schools open and then shut again and so they are sort of you know there are there is there are there is evidence in some of the data that suggests that schools are a hub of transmission but the problem is we're not vaccinating for transmission there are other countries that have chosen to do that the Netherlands decided we are going to vaccinate frontline workers and people that that are most susceptible to transmission issues first uh, rather than our elderly Um, and that's their choice to do that but that's not the choice that we've made here the problem is, is if schools are going to get blamed in a month from now, because we do see rises after March 8th, that's when we're going to have to have a conversation, go, well, should we, shouldn't we? But Ian's quite right that a lot of, you know, we always kept schools open for key worker children who, if they're key worker children from frontline NHS staff, frontline, you know, uh, cab drivers, bus drivers and the rest of it, they were already uh, in danger from that point, from that point, because Here are the children who are most in contact with their parents, who are most in contact with it. So we should have been having this conversation even before vaccines were available to us. And how can we protect them back then instead of only now going oh, hang on, let's updend everything and, and have a conversation about it now. Um, and I think that the other point he brought up in that video, which is quite valid, it isn't being talked about, is is prison, is people yeah. who work in prisons. I mean, prisons, there's horrendous uh, stats of, of disease going through prisons, of COVID ripping through prisons and just causing so well, much unnecessary. actually,
3: Ria, that, that, that's not quite right. Mm. I mean, if you if you look back to the, certainly up until October, I was mm. astonished at how few cases there were and how few deaths there were. Now, Now, it has got slightly worse since then. But this is an example of why you have to be pragmatic. You you have a system by age, but I'll be seriously suggesting that a vaccination crew should go into a prison and just do the ages like 60 to 70 and then 50 to 60. Ridiculous. You do them all at the same time in a prison. But then, of course, that leads to The Times of all newspapers printing an article last week with the headline that prisoners were going to be vaccinated before teachers and police officers. Totally irresponsible, totally wrong. But... Mm. um, this this is where politicians are in a bit of a cleft stick because you're not going to get a politician to say yeah we actually should do prisoners first because
1: yeah. and not schools and not yeah, teachers exactly no I I mean I think that having having kids that are going in and out and yes you're right that the prison numbers have they've gotten worse since i've read it in the last couple months that's what i've been reading about the prison numbers going up and and you say prison officers i think it's worth the conversation but you can't just vaccinate the prison officers and and have any kind of herd immunity within a prison because they are that's not enough of the prison population for it to be effective anyway but but bottom line uh you know those teachers that are most at risk were being vaccinated in line with their age and that's always been what the government has said it said that, like if you're an older teacher or if you have underlying health health issues then you're going to get vaccinated before your colleagues are going to get vaccinated but I think the other larger conversation that we don't have time for now is is overall how we've been treating key workers generally. Because I think if they felt yeah. more uh, cared for or had more attention spent on them instead of just going, no, no, you will continue to work and we are not gonna, we are going to, you know I think that's the feeling. The problem is, is that they haven't felt thought about cared for same with the NHS I I, and this is something that I've spoken about before and will continue to speak about that I think one of the things the pandemic has really highlighted is our attitudes towards who uh, well first it's told us who really our essential workers are who do we need to keep this country running when the shit hits the fan a but b what the overall attitude is towards how much we expect them to just keep working and not complaining about it. And I think that's worth another conversation at another time because we don't have time now. But I think it's important. But don't you
2: think that perhaps when we go back to the normal, whatever the new normal is going to be, that we these these key workers um, jobs of who actually help, you know, who who actually keeps the country going when the shit hits the fan, That's pretty obvious that we're all going to be appreciating our bus drivers, our nurses.
3: our But it it goes back to the point that I was making in that that Good Morning Britain clip there. Um, We appreciate those that we know about, but it's the ones with the loudest voices that we appreciate. Does anyone give a thought to sewerage workers, for example? Hmm. The country could not function without people maintaining the sewers, but nobody thinks about them. And, and they are inevitably in confined spaces. There are so many groups in our society that we could say are absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm apparently a key worker being a radio presenter. I mean, who knew? Um, but th- there are so many different groups that are absolutely integral to the functioning of our economy, our society and everything else, but we don't give them a second thought.
2: Yeah, no, true. Are we Are we lost um, are you okay then? <laughs> yeah. Julian's um, having so a marvelous time. Yeah, I'll <laughs> be getting a new on, phone tomorrow. Lost in <laughs> technology, but I'm gonna um, bring in a tweet that I think I just for a little bit of fun, I think. So it was actually um, a, a, another a presenter colleague, uh, perhaps you know? Do you know? Uh, oh God, I don't want to bloody find it now. Can um, I?
0: Can I do? Because we've got a Fra- we've got our Fraser tweeter in the audience tonight. Oh, so yeah. Uh, so smoke. Hello, Smoked lenses. Thank you for for coming. Hello. Um Hello. Um, yeah. So this week I picked up when. Well, so this week it was announced that Fraser um, is going to return after twenty years, uh, which is uh, pretty. Pretty brave, it seemed. Um, as far as I know, the casting um, news is only that it's Kelsey Grammer. There's obviously John Mahoney as the father, Martin, is no longer with us, very sadly. Uh, we don't know if uh, Niles will be back. Um, totally, uh, David Hyde-Pierce, fantastic you know, equally as good, I think, as Kelsey Grammer. Um, but this, I did pick this tweet up because it kind of just sounded alarms. A Frasier reboot without David Hyde-Pierce. It's like taking in a sumptuous meal at Le Cigar Volant <laughs> and forgoing the exquisite apple and persimmon tartan for dessert. It simply isn't done, uh, which would be absolutely true, but we don't know. Uh, I don't think we know yet whether well Niles will be with us. Um, well,
5: if I could say, as an amateur Frasier and Cheersologist, uh, that you know, the, the show Frasier, when it debuted, you know, people were making fun of it. Basically, they're like, oh, Kelsey Grammer, he doesn't have anything else going on. Um, and that show really hit. I mean, it's possibly bigger than Cheers now because Cheers is older. And though it's very well beloved, it doesn't have the modern sensibility. It doesn't have like I think Frasier is basically America's faulty towers kind of in the way it's got like constant building levels of farce, you know, and uh, without David Hyde Pierce, I don't, I don't know how it would work. The, the whole, the whole thing with Frasier was Frasier was a character on the show. He lived in a bar in che- in Boston and then they rebooted it in Seattle. And if you actually go back and watch old cheers uh, you know, they invented whole cloth uh, the brother, the father, The whole situation with the mother, Um, and I I think that that show so fundamentally changed the nature of who Frazier was as a character that to try and continue it without the you know without Niles at least or Mm. Daphne or Roz or any of those great characters would be folly. You know, Um, so uh, I I just uh, I just thought I, I live in Seattle and I saw that news and I thought in my mind what. Niles would say in his prissy tone. And I typed it out. And uh, I am technically, I guess, one of those egg accounts you guys were you know, talking about early on and I don't have a lot of followers. You know, this is the biggest tweet I ever did and it's not even that big. So, uh, hey, I'm here. I'm just an unemployed uh, stagehand and production assistant uh, in Seattle. We're not getting concerts back anytime soon. Um, my wife works in a grocery store and she hasn't been vaccinated. I'm definitely haven't been vaccinated. Uh, my elderly retired useless parents have been vaccinated. So, Hey, that's good. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, (laughs) this world is, is really strange. And, uh, to the point you guys were all making that everybody needs to be verified on Twitter. Um, I think there's ample space on ample different platforms for verified accounts. Uh, I think Facebook, if you look at Facebook, it's a sewer, and most of those people are verified. Um, I think Twitter really benefits from having, um, you know, just random people in the in the shadows hurling tomatoes at self-important people. So without that, natural I, I
0: tomatoes. Eat,
5: Yeah, I I really don't know what the point would be if if everybody had to be verified and everybody has to be polite all the time That's a good that's
1: not about being polite though I have no problem with you hurling tomatoes at the self-important. Please that's you know That sounds fabulous, but it's just about having a level of accountability behind that because hurling tomatoes is fairly harmless but threatening to, to you know to rape someone which is very common for a woman on Twitter or you know that needs to be or that needs to be at some point trackable that's sure but i
5: I feel like there are are there not uh safeguards in place for that already i mean would okay
1: so an anonymous account as often happens as a woman on twitter threatens to come find me and rape me what's what's the other safeguard for that well if we don't know who they are
5: Right, but they get banned. Oh, great,
1: but that doesn't stop them knowing who I am because I am verified, finding out where I live or finding out where I'm performing and then finding me and actually going through with that threat because we don't know who they are. Banning them doesn't stop them doing it.
5: Sure, I guess. Uh,
0: We have to, we've definitely got... We've definitely got away from Frasier somehow. Sorry. Okay, I, like, <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that there's a callback to the oh, yeah. previous material. That's that's good. Fair enough, fair enough. I do like that. No, no, that's fair enough. No, I mean, you, you know, you definitely made the this, various
1: points This there. Frasier story, going back to it, right. has a yeah. number of interesting levels. Okay. I mean, as a comedian, uh, the first thing I thought was, okay, and I loved Frasier and I loved Cheers. But I'm, I, as, a, as a newer comic on the scene, I'm going, do you really have so little faith in those of us that are currently working in the industry that all you can do is throw money behind something that's already been and gone? Why can't you try one of us out instead of throwing money behind that? And then my second question, which maybe Daniel or, or I'm sorry, uh, can I call you Mr. Zing? Smoke lenses. <laughs> uh, but tell me more about because isn't there a bit of controversy about Kelsey Grammer's politics right now?
5: Uh, Not really. I mean, Kelsey Grammer has always been a Republican. Yeah. uh, And but, you know, I mean, he was a Republican 40 years ago, too. Uh, It it is what it is. Uh, He's also, you know, he he was sideshow Bob and was a Republican mayor on The Simpsons and got Mm -hmm. taken down. And he actually is one of the few old style Republicans that's still around that actually has a sense of humor. Uh, The thing I Mm -hmm. wonder about more than anything is, did he get divorced again and needs more money now? Because <laughs> a the cleaners last time. So uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, you're right there. There needs to be. <laughs> I mean, do we really need to be reliving all of our old things ever, over and over again for the rest of time? Is there nothing else new on the horizon? But at the same time, you know, a, a reboot of something beloved, you know, I, I'm willing to give it a shot, you know, if, it, if it's going to be good. Well, there's, is nothing
3: it, wrong, there's nothing wrong with reboots. I mean, they they yeah. did Dallas, they've done Dynasty. Does, Dynasty. does anyone remember the Dallas yeah, reboot? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I watched every episode. I got it on DVD. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, me <laughs> <Well>, too. <laughs> that was pretty
5: good. This is
3: mean... more about nostalgia,
2: though. This is more yeah, about, is. you know, really. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, and obviously... For the new generation, I mean, I don't know how far they get into it, but they won't have the same love that if you've watched it first time round. all of these things, it, 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 we associate it with the happy times in our own lives. And so it's for an, a, maybe a certain generation, these reboots, and maybe they should be just seen for what they are. Uh, yes, we do need new voices, new things to come out of there. But equally, I find that problematic sometimes because they're throwing money at things that just for the sake of ticking a box and it doesn't necessarily have the same quality or the same... You know, although that's that said, I still would want to see things made, be experimenting and keep going till we get the more "I may destroy you" kind of type of quality mm. of work. Did you get that over there, guys? Did you? get May yeah. I, I may destroy you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you did you see watch it? Did you enjoy it? No.
4: No. I didn't. But but you know what I was thinking is what you're saying. A lot of these reboots are from a time when TV was, and there was only TV, and some of them started when there was. I think we had what. 20 channels, maybe at most. 20, Consider yourself had lucky, three. Had three. <laughs> right? So, I mean, and they, someone went off the air at midnight, so like TV was you only had limited choices. So, a lot of these beloved shows were there wasn't 9,000 things you could watch mm. at the same time. I think that had something to do with it as well.
2: Again, now we got 20, we're catching up a little bit. <laughs> it is amazing, it it <laughs> yeah. Late.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing what you guys had first. I remember. I was talking to my mum about Rhoda the other night. She absolutely loves Rhoda, and I've got happy memories of mentioning it. And there's one episode, of course, it's got Julie Julie Kavner in it as well, Marge Simpson. Uh, One episode, uh, uh, someone's getting cream from a can, and this was like 20 years before it came to the UK. It was like (laughs) I still remember my mind being blown, and now I've gone off topic. So, Gina, what was that tweet? That uh, tweet. Oh yeah, it was going to be
2: a fun one from. from, Um, Christian O'Connell, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, whose daughter, uh, he now is, has moved to. He's, he's a local lad, not Dorking up the road from me, uh, but he's gone to Australia. Uh, when I was out there and toured, I, I saw a massive big poster of him. Um, he's huge there as well. But anyway, his his daughter did finished a minute behind the other boats in her school rowing tournament. Uh, basically, had had come last. And he said I've never been prouder and tomorrow I want to salute her and all the follow lasters who came last and lost beautifully. If you came last in something, please join us. So I was thinking, yeah, I, I you know, we've all come last and what's your memorable moment where you've come last in something and and
3: celebrated that cr- Oh a dangerous question, isn't it?
1: <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, you should have pre prepped us for this one. Okay. <laughs>
3: Uh, If you look at my OnlyFans page. uh, (laughs) Tell Uh, me, what's yours again? um, At school, uh, we used to have to do cross-country running. And it was all sort of through the field of Essex. And I just hated it. And I I used to come last in that most most days. And then they they would have an annual sort of school championship race for cross country. And I decided on that day that I was going to take it seriously. And I was running my heart out oh my and I passed all sorts of different people. I was thinking, God, I'm gonna get in the top 10. Bear in mind, there are about probably 250 boys running in this. And I crossed the finishing line and I was so proud of myself thinking I must've come in the top 10.
2: Forty-eight. I've got to add. Out of how many? Out of how many, though? Out of two hundred
0: and fifty. Oh, that's a that's a good that's a good
3: story. That's
1: really good. That's a happy ending. (laughs) What about yours? Oh, do you know why? I'm trying to think. I mean, you're you're talking about like sports or something, aren't you? Anything, anything, it's
2: gonna come last in. Even a
1: comedy competition oh no never um
3: quite clearly last
1: last i tell you i didn't come last but i remember getting to the final of the daily telegraph comedy competition which was a huge comedy competition up until about julian tell me one oh three or four something like that when i started with you yeah yeah, so I remember get and the way that they did it was obviously incredibly fair. Where all of us newbies would do a gig throughout the year between September and maybe June in random places, and then they'd announce the finalists in June as if they'd been to all of our gigs. When in reality, what they were doing was seeing who would who had risen to the top over the year. Who were the who were the new young ones that they were talking about? And then they picked the top ten and put them in the final. And so I remember getting announced for that and being so excited. And then on the day in the morning, they post the lineup. Of the final, and then you would come back later in the afternoon to do the final. And Sejila, Sejila, I went up in the morning with who is now my husband, and I was first on the list. Um, which essentially in comedy means nobody running this competition wants yeah. you to win this. <laughs> <laughs> nobody. Like the, like we would like you to. Yeah. We'd like you to go on first, please, and be and be quickly forgotten by the end of the yeah. by the time the judges are are, are talking about it um, <laughs> after an interval and nine other racks. We'd like you to please quietly go home. I cried so much between seeing the list and doing the show, knowing that I was, I wasn't in with a shot. And now I can,
2: I can understand that because if you go going on first at the best times is not great. Going on first in a competition, forget it. You fucking lost. You lost so big time. (laughs) Uh, I I, actually, I'm with uh, Ian uh, 1500 meters at school race uh had a hole in my plimsoll got a got like a stone through my plimsoll what you guys call sneakers and trainers <laughs> but, but, we, but, we but then like, lower your
0: expectations yeah, yeah.
2: Like, <laughs> plimsolls were like the early kind of early you know again behind behind america my black with a little less elasticated bit and I got to, I was hobbling my way right to the end and everybody just like crossed the finishing line and I just I don't know something just kept me going I was, I was really hobbling really slow came in 10 minutes after everybody else to everybody booing at me <laughs> it was truly really horrible everyone's booing like, oh god you know she's so crap oh. um but I learned a very valuable lesson from that because um I was really proud of myself that I actually got to the end even with this and it taught me to not seek approval from others, which has been great in comedy, um, and to self-motivate myself. Uh, and, and basically, uh, I only compete with my own personal best, not with everybody else, which means it doesn't matter if I'm last. Fuck them. Fuck them.
3: And you, and <laughs> you see, you see the, the difference in our ages here, Sejula. is if, if that had happened to me when I was at school and I'd come last, the teacher would have taken off my plimsolls and beaten me oh. with it.
2: Oh. <laughs> the slipper the slipper you would have got the slipper um, Okay, guys because you have joined us let me just ask you quickly anything that you remember do being asked. in be you, you want to ask <laughs> I'm not, i was just going to
0: say that if if this question if Ian hadn't said what he did I don't know what I would have done in terms of answering but you just hit the nail on the head I, I was the cross-country runner that lagged behind the entire yeah. race it was Aww. me and a guy called Alan who's about twice the size of me um, and I wasn't I wasn't I was fairly chunky myself in those days And we were just, we were always at the back. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) the the camera adds 10 (laughs) pounds. The jogging this morning was clearly wasted. Um, But, yeah, we would always lag behind. And the cross-country race was just the most, I mean, I don't mind a short sprint, I have to say, even in those days. But the cross-country run was just painful. And it, it was actually so bad on one occasion that... We, when we got back, one of the other PE teachers rushed in and said, I've just spent an hour looking for you. And of course, the, <laughs> the course was so sort of, uh, well, it wasn't exactly rural Essex from Harlow, but it was the only bit of, uh, you
3: know, woodland we could You're find. You're from Harlow. I right am you? from Harlow, yeah. The common bit of Essex. Uh,
0: well, I mean, one one of one of a few, I would say. I mean, there's a few places buying for that. Type that's of true.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, I yeah, love that's... it, though.
2: Cross country, it's a bit like the modern day SAS. That program, have you seen that program? Where they do, they do training. They yeah. get play, like famous people to do this training. It's like horrible boot camp. Um. So okay, so bid two cross country trainers. Coin comedy competition. Another fifteen hundred meters. I mean, You know, what what about what have you got, Daniel? Have you got? Have you been last anything?
4: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> talking about Jim. Well, what we call Jim, I got picked last every time. I mean, I have, I have a T-shirt that says "picked last in gym class." I mean, I'm. I'm oh. pretty – pretty proud of it I mean it would come down to like well we got Dan and you can take one less guy on your team like we'll definitely take one less guy on our team
2: oh that's bad yeah are you really crap at sports then
4: I I was and then uh at nine years old I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis so fortunately my mom after threatening you know to burn down the place for a year finally they said okay you don't have to take gym but up until then it was just uh it was yeah it's, Not, cruel, isn't
2: it? it's <laughs> cool when you don't get pissed I was, I was that kid as well don't worry I was that kid but for different reasons Um, and what about you what is your name smoked lenses what's your first name
5: uh, Samuel. Um, Samuel Samuel, so, Samuel. yeah last one. Yeah, I was a Bernie supporter so oh yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> that tweet that tweet is for you then well yeah. enough said <laughs> she's <laughs> proud of you too
3: I she thought can... he said, I'm a Burnley supporter. And I see <laughs> a, a Burnley supporter in Seattle. There can't be many of them to the pound.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Alistair oh, Campbell uh,
3: in disguise. Burnley is Lovely. the soccer team, Samuel. Oh,
5: thank uh,
2: guys, yes. Thank you so much for joining us um, and, and, you know, making this a fun show. I hope you'll come back. Will you come back?
5: Uh, like I'll it black
2: now. <laughs> uh,
5: but if, if any of you know Armando Iannucci, can we get another series of In the Thick of It? Because, uh, you know, oh. I don't think... Uh, I don't think he's doing Doctor Who anymore, so you know. he's doing Avenue
1: Five now.
3: Doesn't he do Veep?
1: No.
5: Well, yeah, Avenue Five. But I, I I was talking specifically about uh, about your your Scottish uh, impresario of anger. Uh,
1: uh, Mm. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Yes, Capaldi. In the thick of it,
5: yeah. You know, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see him uh, come back from whatever prison sentence he was sent to at the end of the series. So,
0: <laughs> You heard it here first. We do take requests, it turns out. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thanks, guys. I suppose I should wrap up the show, Sejila. Um, so thank you uh, very much, everyone, for coming. That's the people watching us. On the streams, which I've kind of casting an eye to here, um, and also obviously Zoom rumors who've been very engageful—I know that's not a word—this evening, <laughs> um, it's been great actually. I think it's the first time we've had so much back and forth. Um, uh, please do follow us at LKT Zoom. Our next show will be on March the 14th, and I'll be uh, putting details out about that one as soon as possible. Um, you can donate to us um apart from, obviously you guys who have come into the zoom room have donated thank you very much um people who are watching i'm gonna high-tech get out of the way of my it's, little banner yeah, please 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 uh go it's... to buymeacoffee.com
2: forward slash let's kill twitter that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash let's kill twitter and buy us guys of coffee i'll have a a flat white what will you have ian
3: isn't this what we were slagging Twitter off for earlier? <laughs> no, it's not... Pay- this isn't as glorious as Patreon. I will we
2: can't do have, as I say, don't do as I do.
3: <laughs> I will have a can of lilt, thank you very much. you have a what? can of lilt, that is my a typical A can of lilt,
2: totally With tropical, totally tropical <laughs> taste. <laughs> Shall
1: now, Adrian, Do you have a Ah, uh, I might splurge on a chai tea latte. Oh, nice. I, if someone else is buying. But can I have it in an LBC mug?
2: <laughs> yes I, can we get a mug no, I always wanted a mug whenever well, fun, I went funny to enough, studio, they don't
3: one. they don't they do global radio mugs but I don't think I, I'm not sure I've seen actually no I have seen one but I don't know where they keep them but um you you nick are both one. you are both hereby invited onto my show at some point when we're oh, back in the to. studio so you can uh you can you can come and sample the magnificent studio for yourselves oh,
2: can really nick, yeah that. I'll just nick a I'll just nick a mug from there <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> I did that on the Daily Politics. On that, I was on the, I think their last show. So I nicked one of the mugs.
2: Yeah, because uh, you got the little mementos. E- eBay. You? That's yeah. what I saying. It's, eBay. Not, it's not proper stealing. <laughs> it's not proper crime. No, I've got it's not, it here. Like somewhere. the feds can't get you for that. Um, so, <laughs> the feds or the
0: feds. <laughs> the
2: feds. The feds. Daniel. Daniel. Um, what's your drink? What's your poison, man?
4: Uh, actually, I uh, chai latte is mine. That's my uh, chai
2: latte. You kind of okay. stole my
4: thunder there, but. Uh, we attract
5: a sophisticated lenses. crowd. Yeah, very <laughs> sophisticated. let make lenses. What about you? Uh, Boulevardier. It's oh. uh, Burton and Campari and uh, Orange Peel. Oh, you're, you're the expensive one wow. wow. at the bar, are wow. you? They are proper
2: sophisticated.
5: <laughs> yeah. well,
2: you know, I, I didn't had,
5: expect that. I did not expect I've that from you two guys. Sophisticated since I've had to become my own bartender. So, you know, I, I've, I've tried to be expansive.
2: And Campari. My God, I haven't heard that. That Campari's been—that's a really old drink
3: for here. Was be- that the Lorraine Chase one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. Why you, why you wafted here from Paradise? Nah, mate. Uh, an, airport. an airport. <laughs> I
0: did, and uh, Jane Collins is, uh, did one as well with. Um, oh yeah, yeah with, uh, Leonard, uh, Rossiter. Leonard, Rossiter.
3: Oh.
2: Leonard Rossiter. Well, i You'll I'm, have to I'm...
3: Google that, uh, Samuel. I'm afraid. will yeah, be on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah.
2: It's been a real joy to have you two. I want you to be with us all the time, guys. Come back. <laughs> well,
0: stay with us when we when we go yeah. off stream. Stay like, with us for five backstage. minutes backstage. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, well, uh, Sajila, would you like to add something? Oh, before yes, I hear by close...
2: I hope I, I, I closed this evening's show by telling you that with the next one is on the 14th of March. And do we have our guests confirmed? Uh, I'm not yet?
0: sure that we've entirely confirmed yet, but people will see the confirmations on but Twitter. But they will be ASAP. amazing.
2: If you liked Ian Dale, if you liked Lina, if you liked our previous guests, they're always going to be wonderful. They've, got, they've always got great things to say. So please join us on the 14th of March. Otherwise, have a lovely evening. Share this with your friend. Follow us on LKT, LKT Twitter uh lkt zoom, zoom sorry yeah. and we're also on the facebook we are on the facebook <laughs> on
0: the facebook
2: yes on the facebook uh yeah. if you want to join us there uh guys it's been a, an absolute treat to have you here today ian and ria and of course uh, daniel and uh, samuel thank you so much thank have you. a lovely evening and a lovely week take care <laughs> thanks for watching guys bye.
0: bye so there you go that was our show and it was a fantastic example of the engagement that you get when people book in via Eventbrite to come into the Zoom room, uh, which we offer for every live show that we do. People can watch via the streams and tweet at us, but it's not as interactive, obviously, as being in the Zoom room and being part of the conversation. So do bear that in mind. Obviously, we would like you to watch us or to listen to us, whatever you want to do. If you'd like to support our work, you can do by going to buymeacoffee.com and looking for the Let's Kill Twitter section, and then you can make a donation through there. We appreciate whatever you can do for us, whether that's making a donation or referring us to a friend or just following us on Twitter. So whether you're joining us inside the Zoom room or listening to us just outside of it, we hope to catch you again soon.